how happy do you feel hearing all these Irish accents? I love it. This is awesome. I'm a fighting Irish, right? I mean, yeah. Notre Dame's fighting Irish. Yes, you're, you keep claiming the Irish one, but I've also heard you claim to be Swiss, German, and a few other things as well. I think you're kind of a bit of a chameleon in that sense. <laughs> Possibly, but uh, my roots go back to obviously Switzerland, but uh, <clears throat> Swiss German, but I'm a fighting Irish at heart. Yeah, what does that mean, fighting Irish? That's the Notre Dame, the Notre Dame mission statement, right? Yeah, it's part of the Notre Dame mascot, you know, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, you know. So back in the day, the you know, there were a lot of Irish, you know, type football players that, in South Bend at the university years and years ago under Newt Rockney. Okay. Frank Leahy and a bunch of, uh, you know, those guys were really good. Yeah. How did you pronounce Brennan. it? Leahy, is that what you said? L-E-A-H. Okay. So yeah, there was Irish. Right, okay, okay. So that's funny. I mean, we're getting on to talk about a podcast and straight away I can start drifting back to your, your heritage and you're back in the 1800s or whenever you were born and you started playing football. But uh, I should probably introduce you very quickly, Mr. Mister Mike Bergner, Coach B. Uh, how do you describe yourself? I don't know. There's so many different hats we can talk about. You're the head of what was CrossFit Olympic lifting uh, program, Bergner Strength, Olympic coach, teacher, parent, husband, Geezer, former Marine, for a Harley Davidson rider. Uh, you like cooking steak now. I see that's your latest hobby. Uh, social media influencer. Uh, have I missed something? Uh, I don't think so. That's been very generous. Thank you. <laughs> you know me. That's how I always speak to you. I said that to Adrian and Shane. I, I said this is probably the only man in the world that I address as sir, and I don't even I don't even know why that is, but I feel like that's just how you address Mike Bergener. Uh, don't do that. Sir was my dad, and he would turn over in his grave if he, if he heard you call me that. <laughs> so, look, I think it's only right to kick off today with with, the, with this question. First of all, sorry, thank you very much for your time. I know you are a busy man, and you've a lot of your own little projects going on, and um, I do really appreciate your, your time here today, this morning for you, this evening for us. Uh, this podcast is about success, and, you know, as, as over the years you've spoken about success as many different meanings. And the big thing for me that I want to talk about is, you know, what success means today anyway, what success means to you. Well, I, I think, you know, I've been very blessed in my, uh, in my adult life. And, and even in my childhood life, I was a very blessed kid and an adult. And, uh, you know, I had great mentors uh, kind of paving the way for me. You know, uh, my high school football coach, uh, you know, Clay Damati was probably my first mentor uh, while I was in the uh, secondary school. And then, of course, Eric Parsegian at Notre Dame and Father Lang, my, <clears throat> my strength coach at Notre Dame. And then on to the University of Kentucky where, uh, you know, Richard Borden, who just got inducted to the Arizona Hall of Fame for weightlifting, uh, was my mentor and my coach. And then in the Marine Corps, I had uh, Stormy Sexton who was a uh, colonel and won five silver stars. He was a very big influence. In fact, I named my son Cody after after him. And then, uh, and, and then, you know, just in CrossFit, Greg Glassman brought me on board at the very beginning. And, and so for me, I've had a lot of very important influencers in my life and uh, kind of paved the way for me. And I just like to be there and take all that information that I've learned over the years and, and uh, 
pay it forward, basically. And and to me, if I can do that uh, and give that information freely to the people that, uh, you know, to the people that need it and from the people that have given it to me, then to me, that's been very successful. No, that's a good answer. And that's where, you know, the, the, the mentorship, the coaching and you know, whether it's weightlifting or whether it, uh, from, from observing you and just to give a bit of background, I, I started working with you in 2000. I met you, first of all, uh, doing Fanny Workers in Belfast in 2009. <laughs> that's a that's an inside joke that a select few people who listen to this will understand. Nothing rude about it. Um, but in 2010, I started working with you and then went on to work with you for nearly seven years. But what, So I learned a huge amount about the sport of Olympic weightlifting and this, you know, the language of coaching. But uh, what I observed working with you was your capacity to work with people away from the the platform or using a platform as a catalyst to communicate with athletes. And uh, at the time, we all wanted to see the guy who could clean and jerk or snatch the most guy or girl. But you always ended up talking to that person who was kind of hiding in the corner, who didn't want to be seen maybe, or, you know, who was a little self-conscious in it. Where does that come from? Is that your mentorship? Is that just something that you've always seen that, you know, sport and coaching is is a bigger picture piece? It's not just about the 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 fire breeders for for Hughes to cross for phrases. It's more about as a coach, how you can communicate with people and, you know, improve their quality of life. And what does coaching mean to you in that aspect? Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a great way to state it, John, is that for me, uh, it's always been about working with the the individuals that really are motivated, but maybe not have the talent. Uh, I was a high school sec- uh, secondary education teacher, and my job was in the weight room all day long. And, and I had just basic students, you know, from 15 to 18 years of age. And they took weightlifting because they were growing up and they wanted to get bigger, stronger, faster or whatever. They used weightlifting for sport possibly, but for the most part, they just enjoyed lifting weights and try to make themselves better. So, you know, for me, the, the Olympic lifts are a great tool for uh, bringing out the best in people. It's a, it's a highly stressful uh, sport, but at the same time, it's very fun and everybody can do it, whether they have to use a split snatch or a split clean because of mobility or issues or age or whatever uh, versus the more efficient squat clean. But nevertheless, everybody can do it. And, uh, and you know, anybody can coach the champion. I mean, I've, I have been blessed. I've coached, you know, two or three Olympians and and in weightlifting and in various sports, volleyball, beach volleyball, I coached a couple of Olympians there. But it's easy to coach that athlete where it's very hard to coach an athlete that is, uh, you know, not as gifted. Yeah, I understand. Do you, do you, I mean, do you find you get more fulfillment working with any type of, of athlete or do you just want to work with someone that wants to work? And if, if they want to dig in and be a junkyard dog, you're happy to work with them at any level? Yeah, I, I think that's it. I've I've got right now. I'm doing some work with a, a high-level games athlete that uh, you know I won't mention her name because it's it's not. I don't think it's it's prudent to do so. But that's fun, you know. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'll work with a 13-year-old that's just learning how to snatch and clean a jerk, and that's fun as well. Okay. Okay. So. What age are you again? 80, 90? You're in your, your 72, 73? 
I'm 73. I'll be 74 in June. Okay, so you've had it the longest career in coaching that I've ever, you know, I've never spoken to anyone that's had as much in the trenches experience and, you know, coaching from when it wasn't cool to be a coach, it was, you know, it was a job and it was this, that and the other. Now with the rise of social media and the rise of CrossFit and the rise of a number of great things, coaching is a great career. But, you know, from those early stages of getting in the trenches, like I said, for football, I think was where you, you most, you know, Father Lang, isn't that correct, was your strength coach and he thought you most of. So, you know, what has coaching taught you that you've brought up and kind of what has, has translated across into other aspects of your life? Because I know you're a big family man. Uh, family are very high in your list of priorities. Um, and, you know, you are about giving back to, to the community. So is, has coaching taught you stuff? And to be even more specific on that, you know, the fundamentals of weightlifting, which you, we speak about in a CrossFit weightlifting cert or in the Bergner Strength weightlifting cert, as it is now, um, the fundamentals of weightlifting are, are there fundamentals in life that you see that you know there's that same you have to have your 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 stance grip and position ready for life as well yeah i think i think that's very well stated and that's correct i you know for me it's about keeping it simple uh you know my students in, in my high school years ago taught me how to teach them you know i came out with just getting into coaching, I came out with big terms. I tried to be important. I tried to be impressive to them. But the bottom line was is that I confused the the hell out of them. But basically, they taught me how to be, uh, you know, how to coach. They taught me how to keep it simple. And that's where, you know, stance, grip, and position came about. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, Keeping it simple is is my way of teaching, and I I believe that everybody, regardless of age, can uh, can perform the Olympic lifts and uh, and become a better person both physically and mentally. And the challenge of uh, you know mastering that sport will uh, will go on forever because it's very hard to master it. It's you just can't do it. But the the the, the direction towards mastery and the simplicity of teaching it to give it to others is really, you know, the way I like to look at myself now. Yeah. I mean, you've, have you just been uh, nom- uh, put in the Hall of Fame, is that right, in the American, American Weightlifting Hall of Fame, nominated in? That's a Yeah, massive- I was, it was really, yeah, last, uh, the last national championships in, in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, yeah. And did you, were you aware that was going to happen? I wasn't aware of it until I got a phone call from, uh, you know, Tim Swords, uh, who basically, you know, nominated me and then followed up with a letter from Phil Andrews, the director of, uh, you know, USA Weightlifting that I was going to be inducted in. Yeah, That must have been a pretty much an ultimate achievement for you as a coach then. I'm very humbled by it, you know, and very proud of it. I never expected it. Uh, I know I've had a very blessed career in weightlifting, but at the same time, uh, uh, you know, to have that, you know, notification that you're now going to be inducted, and it, it was very humbling for me. But uh, as I tell people, I'm very proud of what what we've achieved with that. How do you deal with your success? What the success, you know, I mean, you definitely in the world of, that I've ever known when it comes to coaching and with CrossFit and whatever, there's nobody else in the world who has reached as many people and communicated through the means of barbell work, i.e. weightlifting, the sport of weightlifting. There's not any other coach that has, has done that. Is that something that you even think about? Is it something that you are aware of? I'm sure you, you are. 
Well, I people tell me that, uh, but I freely give out my email address, my phone number, yeah. uh, text messages, uh, and the beauty of it is, is now I, I am retired, and you know I have time, and and you know, if I, if I, as I tell them, my wife, uh, the boss, basically is a yard Nazi, and uh, if I'm not doing work with CrossFit or weightlifting or helping people, then I have to work in the yard and I am not a yard person at all. So <laughs> it's fun for me to be able to give it back. And, uh, and I enjoy, I enjoy working with, uh, with people of, of all ages, you know, the geezers, I enjoy that. And I enjoy with, uh, when a 15 or 16 year old will write me and say they're having trouble in the Olympic lifts. And, uh, you know, would I mind, you know, video analyzing their lift and uh and give them my perspective and uh, i always i enjoy that so it's kind of fun for me it was freely given to me by all my coaches and so i want to freely give it back okay and it's it i mean the whole piece about coaching and giving back has that always been what's driven you have you i mean for as a coach for me it's always been about helping people live you know a, the most fulfilling life they can live a high quality life be well and achieve greatness for you what drives what has driven you from an early stage as a coach was there a period where you wanted to see olympic medals was there a period where you wanted to just coach the the nfl guys or was it always that you just had this draw to want to help people and uh, uh, you know and help them be better well i i think for me is the 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 success of coaching is being able to take a beginning athlete that knows absolutely nothing about the sport of weightlifting but has an interest and a desire to get better whether it's for the sport of football or soccer or rugby or whatever it is the the fact that they want to use the olympic lifts as a medium to help protect their body and make them more explosive for the sport that gives me great satisfaction in doing that uh sure i mean initially in my coaching career i wanted to produce olympians uh, I wanted to produce, first of all, uh, you know, national champions and, and uh, <clears throat> you know, somebody that could go to the Pan American Championships or eventually the Olympic Games. You know, that's always a goal in mind. But being able to, to do that is <clears throat> is very hard to achieve. But uh, at the same time, it's it's up there for you to work towards. But out of all the athletes that I've started, you know, 500 to 1,000 athletes beginning, you know, very, very, very few make it to that mark of even being at a national caliber lifter. So the majority of people you work with are going to be the the people that need it most mm -hmm. but are more desirous to, you know, to improve in whatever activity they want to do. And maybe just life in general. Yeah. The geezers now are doing Olympic-style weightlifting just because they want to stay healthy and keep moving you yeah. know so. and, and that's just it that the the balance of training and living the best quality life is you know for me is always the big thing to pull me versus you know when you see these athletes i mean and you've experienced this firsthand with casey who is on a quest for for the olympics um uh, you know training hard and obviously natalie as well um you've seen the sacrifice involved you've seen the intensity intense level of work involved and the the adversity and the challenges that they've faced along the way and as a coach 
Um, is that something do you think then that you can take and does it put you off any aspect of, of high-end competitive sport or is it something that you feel, you know what, that's that's where you need to be and that that still excites you as much as anything else? Yeah, it still excites me. I, I mean, I, I love today versus, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago when I was really actively involved in USA weightlifting, you know, to see the progress that's been made in the sport of weightlifting, all because of CrossFit, basically, and and the vision of Coach, of Coach Glassman and, and others. It's just made it better for that athlete to be able to make a living and still do the Olympic lifts. But at the same time, you take a look at the games athletes, you know, a Matt Frazier, uh, Annie Thor's daughter, all, all these all these great ones are making a very good living. And, and Olympic style weightlifting is part of that. And uh, that was my vision in the very beginning of CrossFit being able to address the growth and the potential growth of Olympic style weightlifting in the United States and all over the world. And I think it's done that. So for me, it's just, uh, you know, a continuation of being able to take the sport I love and giving it to others to try to make them better at whatever goals and objectives they may have. Mm -hmm. And most of your coaching that you have done throughout the years, and I've been fortunate enough to, to, to be there firsthand, is done in a two-car garage in garage. I have to say garage because you'll understand that, as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to garage uh, in, in, at your home, isn't it? Mike's gym is, you know, we see these very extremely fancy gyms around the place with all sorts of aircon units and equipment and everything else going on. Um, yet Mike, Mike's gym is as, as basic and spit and sawdust as they come. Yeah, Mike's gym is a labor of love, so to speak, and and really, I got to give my wife credit for Mike's gym because uh, when I switched over to Rancho Buena Vista High School, you know, I was asked to be the strength coach there, and I was asked to develop the weight program there, and so. Luckily for me, I was able to to buy all the equipment. I had 12 Olympic platforms, and all my PE kids and all the sports kids had the had the ability to do the snatch and clean and jerk. But you know, I was gone from five o'clock in the morning till seven to eight o'clock at night, and I had two young children at the time, and I was never seeing them. And my my wife actually told me, she said, "Just build a gym at the house, and once you're done with your job at school, come on home. Then the kids could come and." Come and train at Mike's gym, and that's basically the way it started. It started out with one platform, grew into four platforms, and I'd go to school at you know six o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, and open up the weight room. But I'd come home at four o'clock in the afternoon, and then all the kids at school and all my athletes would come home and train at Mike's gym. So it got to start in 1985, and it's still going strong today with with Sage and her team. You know, she calls it she calls it Sage's gym or Sage's tribe, and I'm now her assistant coach. Oh, nice. Uh, she tells me, Daddy, you're my assistant now. So. Uh, basically, but Mike Jim is, is thriving. And in fact, my boss, uh, Leslie, my beautiful wife of 43 years is out in the garage right now w working with the Mambas. Mambas means mothers against making bingo arms. So, uh, <laughs> she's out there training her girls right now. Yeah. So I've trained, I've been again there where, where I've got to train alongside Olympians, uh, CrossFit Games athletes, um, all black athletes, different high-level crossfitters um, and some of the most impressive crews that I've seen or one of the most impressive crews that I've seen is the uh, the geezers 
<laughs> so the the geezers are a group of of how many people? Is there? Oh, geez, it's it come and goes, but I would say that there's uh, probably fifteen to twenty people that are pretty dedicated and that will show up from time to time, and there's probably ten to twelve people that show up regularly. And a geezer, uh, I mean, in case your audience wants to know, uh, I have uh, an age group that follows our programming. It's if you're 50 to 59, you're a geezer in training. If you're 60 to 64, you're a geezer. 65 to 69, you're a super geezer. <laughs> 70 to 74, which is where I fall in, is you're a super stud geezer. Okay, that's worse. And that, yeah, and then 75 plus, you're a day-to-day geezer. Okay. And it, the beauty of that is that, you know, it's essentially you're on a constant growth to uh, to achieve greatness as a as a geezer. So there's no, I mean, I remember training beside, I think it was Fast Eddie and <laughs> somebody else who was there with shades on, power snatching, power cleaning and, and cracking out chin-ups. Um, yeah. And then even another, another one of the geezers who has Parkinson's, is that correct? Fast Eddie has Parkinson's, yeah. Oh, okay. And he's still in there training and living his best life. And yeah. So are these all guys that have had sport throughout their life at different stages and they you know they know no different? Or is this something that you're instilling in them, the importance of moving and the importance of being accountable and all of that sort of stuff? I, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think it's a, uh, you know, you take a look at one of my geezers, the oldest geezer is 85 years old. His name is Mike Vaniel. He was a mentor to me when I was... Uh, at, uh, you know, first started teaching. He's uh, an inspiration. Uh, he's a double knee replacement guy. Oh, yes, and, uh, I saw that. Yeah, and he comes here and uh, trains every day, three days a week anyway. And, uh, and then you have, uh, you know, guys that are in their, uh, you know, late 50s, 59, that are just trying to keep moving. They may have been a great athlete at one time. Mike Vaniel certainly was a great athlete. Uh, back in the day, and he just wants to keep moving. And then you get those guys that were great athletes and then kind of fell out of, uh, of, of moving and got lazy with jobs and responsibilities of families and so on and so forth. But now they realize that moving is important for them to live a quality life, and so they come back to it. Okay. So is living a legacy something that, I mean, that you've thought about have you a legacy that you wanted to leave behind or that create or is it just something that you just live your best life and know that there's a legacy there or do you have you ever sat and thought about that because you know a lot of us okay i'm 35 i'm half your age not even half your age you're actually quite old Uh, (laughs) um so a lot of you know we're sitting there wondering like what's this all about why where are we going and what am i leaving behind or what do i want to do and what do i want to be and that can lead to, you know, anxiety and fear and worry and apprehension and, you know, it can cause you to freeze. If you were to if you were to turn the clock back to 35-year-old Mike B, what would you be, you know, what would you be laying out? What sort of change would you make or would you have made any changes? I, I don't think so. I think, you know, believe me, John, when I tell you this, I've made a thousand even more mistakes in my life. Uh you know, but at the same time, I've learned from every one of them. Uh, well, I probably shouldn't say that. You know, I probably made the same mistake a couple times. But uh, uh, the bottom line is, is that, you know, you just try to live your best life. And uh, the mistakes that I made at 35 when I was young, dumb and stupid, kind of like you are right now. Thank it's you. it's uh, 
you know, now I'm just old, dumb, and stupid, you know, basically. <laughs> and uh, uh, legacies, I, you know, I don't even know what the hell that means. You know, guys that were legends to me or left a legacy for me or the, you know, the era Parsegians, the great coaches that I had experienced, you know, being coached by, the Father Langs at Notre Dame's, uh, uh, you know, the Richard Bordens who, you know, over in Arizona. And, you know, those people, the, the Stormy Sexons, there's, there's a ton of them there that are far, far more capable than I ever will be. And uh, those guys are, are legends that have left a legacy, at least in my mind. So, you know, for me, I just want to pay it forward. I want to do the best job that I can. I've been given a gift. Uh, I've been given one gift in my life, and that's the ability to be, a, I think, a very effective Olympic weightlifting coach that can, you know, show any individual, I don't care how athletic or how not athletic they are, I really believe that I can make them better in the Olympic lifts and show them the discipline that's required to become better. And what does better mean? I mean, Casey Burton are better meant being an Olympian. Natalie meant being an Olympian. But others just mean entering a weightlifting contest and snatching two kilos more than you did the, a week ago or a year ago. You know, that's that's what that means. So for me, I just want to be that guy that can aid that athlete, regardless of age, regardless of who they are, to make themselves better in the Olympic lifts. Okay, so you feel that you know failure is a big part of life. If you were to if you were to start giving advice out now to those coaches, it's like look, failures is part of it. It's like missing a lift. Missing a lift is fine once you learn from it. You know why you missed it, so you can adjust it and move forward with it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I failure is just part of life, and you make mistakes, and you try not to make the same mistake again. But there's going to be times that you do, uh, and it just yeah, you stick to your guns. You stick to your philosophy. Uh, you don't change from that. Uh, you know, but there are different athletes, and the athletes that you work with have different needs. Every athlete has a different need. And so you try to set yourself up for a positive reinforcement and working out your programs with every need that that athlete has, mm. uh, knowing that it's going to be different than somebody else's. And you just set yourself up and, and them up for success by understanding that, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and just keep going from there. Okay. So you just talk to us briefly about your military background as well. You were a, a Marine, correct? That, that's correct. You're that not in the Army. The Army is, aren't really <laughs> Marines yet. Isn't that what that stands for? That's exactly what it stands for. So coming from a you know a neutral country like Ireland, where there's not a military background as such, the same way, and there's you know people, it doesn't it doesn't carry any of the same, um, kind of what's the word I want to use here, prestige as such in the sense that that sometimes like a military general etc will create or will carry in the states. But what what sort of background with military or what did you get from your background in the military that is transferred over to life as well or give us a little insight on what you actually did well i i was an infantry officer basically i was a grunt is what they call us in the marine corps um but you know the discipline of preparing for uh small unit tactics uh and working with young marines uh at the time kind of set the stage for you know my growth as a coach 
know, basically, it was, uh, I loved the Marine Corps. I, I got out of the Marine Corps simply because I married a California girl with blonde hair that didn't want me to travel all over the world. And, and uh, you know, and her father, luckily for me, had an end with a superintendent of schools up in Fallbrook, California. So got me a teaching coaching job. And so I left the Marine Corps after 10 years and uh, uh, decided that I'd become a coach. So, but they they parallel each other. The discipline that is required, being a uh, an officer in the Marine Corps, equals the discipline that's required of being a teacher and a coach. You say those kids in that school never stepped out of line when they had you as a coach. Is that correct? Is it coming straight out of the out of the military, straight back into school? <laughs> Was that a hard adjustment? Oh boy, you have no idea the adjustment that uh, that was required with that. It was uh, uh, the first day of school. I almost got fired from my job of teaching. I'd just gotten out of the Marine Corps, and uh, I don't know if over in Ireland if you guys ever remember the show American Gladiators. But yeah. uh, American Gladiators. Uh, one of the athletes on American Gladiators was Galen. Was a guy by the name of Turbo. And I right, I know. Tur- yeah, Turbo. Turbo <laughs> was uh, Turbo was one of my students, and uh, he he came walking into my classroom uh, the first day, kind of strutting his stuff, and he made a very inappropriate comment to me. and And I had just gotten out of the Marine Corps. I mean, I was lock, stock, and barrel, still high and tight and green, and and uh, he uh, he made an inappropriate comment, and so I took a U.S. history book and hit him right between the eyes with it. <laughs> And uh, his uh, his father thought it was the greatest thing in the world, but the rest of the students in the class went home and told their mom and dads, and you know they they initially called the superintendent of the schools, and I was called in on the carpet and yeah. told that if I ever did that again, I would be relinquished from my contract very, you know, swiftly. So and I actually. I I, I I subsequently have have met Turbo and he's about six foot four, 120 kilos of raw muscle, and he still bows down when he comes across into your into your house to see you. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a definite. I'm sure it was a big transition coming from that. And you still have a lot of military connections. I know you're still very much inspired, and I always find this a very interesting one that you're a big fan of Jocko. Um, it it is Jocko. So you pronounce that? Is that correct? Willink. Right. Yeah, and I've, I've listened That's to some true. of his stuff, and it's for me. Maybe this is a very obvious thing, for, but for a seventy-two or three-year-old to be inspired by somebody who's twenty odd years, thirty years their junior, is very, very interesting. So, do you constantly still find yourself looking for inspiration? I know you do. You get very inspired looking at athletes. You look at the likes of Mikko Tokola. You thought he was great, and you look at, I'm sure, some of the the current day weightlifters, and you're inspired by them. But do you still find yourself searching for inspiration from other people and or are you just drawn to people who are high achievers, who are successful, who are, you know, who have a good message? What what drive what is your drive around that? Well, I, at 73, I still pride myself in the ability to keep learning, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that listening to Jocko or Andy Stump or Mike Ritland or, you know, uh, uh, Joe Rogan, any of those guys, you know, I'm I, when you go to their podcast and you listen to the audience that they bring in, uh, you know, and they do, you know, the interview on their podcast, you can't help from learning from them. And, and it doesn't matter. I mean, they can be very inspirational, which is great, but they can be 
you know, they can just be a person that uh, is living their best life and and they're willing to share, you know, what their life's all about. And you can take you can take any bit of information and apply it to your life to make your life better as well. Okay, and that's what you find that you you're inspired by the message these guys have to give, and you want to take bits still, just you know, on a day to day level to try and be the best version of yourself. It still comes from that. What drives you? What what gets you out of bed? At, you know, you get up at seven a.m. You train hard. You drink cowboy coffee. You post on social media more than most people. Are you ever going to slow down? Is there what's driving you at the moment? Is it just a passion for weightlifting? Is it a passion for communication? I think it's both. It's it's you know I mean okay so people know me as Coach B. They know me as the the weightlifting guy, the CrossFit guy. But you know there's more to me than that. There's the idea that a year ago I learned how to start smoking meat, and uh, I've never done that before. You know I've always barbecued and and that sort of thing. But smoking meat was using a Traeger smoker <laughs> was something that was was brought to my attention and I want to share that you know uh, uh, my wife loves it that the fact that I'm now becoming a old geezer chef and uh, I love cooking and uh, that's not always been the case but I'm, I'm kind of learning that and it gives me incentive to cook the meals and share that activity with me uh, <clears throat> you know traveling to Montana to see an old marine buddy and being in the beauty of nature and the and the mountains and riding your Harley, sharing, yeah, riding my Harley in the past has has always been there for me, and uh, I want to be able to share those experiences with others. And you know, I'm not a I'm not a robot. I'm not just Coach Bergner, the Olympic weightlifting and the CrossFit coach. I'm Coach Bergner, the man that loves his family that learned years ago. And my advice to you is learn quickly or than I did to say, yes, dear. And, uh, and understand that the boss is the boss and a happy life is a happy wife. And okay. it took me quite a few years to learn that. But once that I did, it was an amazing transformation. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I hope Adrian is hearing this. And uh, yeah, she she's can, uh, smiling over there. She's agreeing with everything you're saying. Ironically, absolutely. And uh, my wife would be the first to tell you that that uh, she is always right. And uh, <laughs> and I basically do whatever the hell she tells me to do. And then uh, and then everybody's happy, you know. So uh, so you know, I mean, the legacy or the you know the Mike Bergner, the weightlifting guy is is certainly one aspect of my journey. But, you know, Mike Bergner, the son of Carl and Darlene Bergner in Southern Illinois and the brother of Debbie and, you know, Carla Bergner and, and the nieces and the nephews. I want to be known as a good person, a, a person that is very passionate, a person in that gives 110% in whatever they're going to do. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can't do it 110%, in my mind, you shouldn't be doing it at all. Uh, I think that's what I try to push on to my family. And, uh, you know, I want to be the best husband there is, you know, for my wife. And uh, it's, taken a, it's taken time to get there. But, yeah. you know, we still at 73 and 65, we still snuggle in bed at the uh, I want to censor this bit out of it. I feel like Sage is putting her fingers in her ears somewhere now and she hears this. <laughs> I hope she is. You know, that's, uh, that's what makes us better and happy, I think. Okay. And what, do you feel like over the years, you know, you've achieved a huge amount as a coach and you've achieved a huge amount? I mean, 
the growth of CrossFit, some of the first videos I ever looked at on CrossFit was you coaching Sage in your in your garage gym, and Sage was probably only about ten or eleven, and you know that that stuff went viral within you know overnight type of a scenario. Do you think you've made any sacrifices, or you've you you know you've you've given out or missed out on anything for your success, or do you feel like your success has came at a steady rate because you've lived your true purpose and lived true to yourself? No, I hope that's the answer right there. I I think that. I haven't changed, uh, you know. I mean, I've got, I got—I would tell you—I was the best Marine officer there was, for me. You know, I mean, I was the best that I could be. I was the best school teacher I could be. I, you know, I was very disciplined in the classroom. I was a very disciplined athlete. I was a very disciplined father. I was a very disciplined coach, uh, and that discipline is what identifies me, I think. Uh, but at the same time, I have a soft heart. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I could you know, turn around and kick somebody in the ass and to make them better, but at the same time, be there when they need me the most, you know, and that's, and I, I think that's what I want to be known as, you know, I mean, and to this day, I still get phone calls from athletes, from students that had me in the classroom and telling me that, you know, coach, that I was, I felt that you were too hard, but geez, I wish my kids could have you as a teacher and a coach because you were the best thing that ever happened to me. And I, and I think that really resonates with me and it makes me very proud. And it gives me a great deal of satisf- satisfaction that they think of me of, of, in that way. Mm-hmm. When you look at you know, modern day America and you look at kids in, in high school and you look at, you know, it's no secret there's epidemics, whether it's obesity, drug abuse, and um, you know there's a there's so many issues and there's so many threats of all all descriptions in the states is how does that make you feel now i mean i know you've your own little community that you've grown nurtured looked after whether that's people at mike's gym your high school or globally on on social media and stuff like that but when you look at at kids coming through high school now and all the struggles that they're facing due to social media and all of these other things is, do you have any opinion on that or any thoughts on that or how does it make you feel well, I, I, for me, my my kids grew up in a household that didn't allow Game Boys. They didn't allow, you know, any of that social media stuff that's that's going on today. Um, I think the parenting that goes on in America today and probably all over the world has gotten a little bit too lax. I still believe in, you know, parental discipline and, you know, but I think parents have to lead by example as well. You can't have a alcoholic parent, you know, chastising their kids for going out and partying and drinking and smoking dope and stuff like that if if the parents are are doing basically the same thing so i i think that the leadership by example by a husband and a wife and a mother and a father is extremely important and i believe that the the rudimentary aspects of discipline in the household still need to be still need to be there and uh, the kids are looking up to you uh you know for guidance and i think you need to be there to give it to them mm-hmm. And as a, you know, as a role model for so many people, that's obviously something that you've, you live and you want to try and teach and get across. And for some reason you do, anyone who's associated with you, whether it's Greg and and Amy or, you know, um, sorry, uh, his name's gone completely out of my head. Uh, Josh Bridges, right down to the earlier CrossFit athletes that you have working with, Josh Everett's the name I couldn't think of. Like all of these guys have the exact same uh, attitude, the same 
mental kind of capacity, the same beliefs, the same values. Is that intentional that you're teaching that or do you think that's just people are looking for that inspiration? Well, I think a little bit of both. I, I don't try to go out of my way and 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 teach people about religion or you know philosophy or whatever. I think you wear that. I mean, you take a look at Josh Everett as an example. I mean, he and his beautiful wife Mary are the, the epitome of what I'm talking about. They they lead a, a blessed life. Uh, they're a family. Uh, you know, they have an autistic son that, you know, they stay together. And this, you ought to see this kid. I mean, I he him, yeah. it, it, it he's absolutely amazing and a parkourse. And you know, Josh and his wife are leaders of by example and and their kids follow them around and they spend a lot of family, quality family time together. And uh uh you know that's that's the kind of life that I think is important for the family mm-hmm. to to adhere to. Do you have tools you use for your own goal setting, for your own kind of big achievements or for visualization, or is it a case that you're just pulled and you know what you want to do and you're, you're you're headstrong and stubborn and you just do it? Do you write stuff down? Do you take photographs? Do you, do you have any little tools you use? Yeah, I, I do. I journal uh, every day. Uh, you know, I have my to-do list every day uh, that I make. And of course, the boss has a to-do list for me that I, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely have to get to. And uh, and then it's just a matter of of, you know, just living my best life. I don't, you know, I do. Uh, I'm I'm very conscious of my uh, eating uh, eating that I have, and so I will, you know, uh, take pictures. At 73, I'll take pictures and wonder, you know, how I can improve on my physique as a 73-year-old. <laughs> uh, you know, and my wife is embarrassed by that, but I'm certainly not embarrassed by it. And I'll, I have my my iPhone has got, you know, pictures of uh, of me in a swim trunks and, uh, you know, and, and I will share those videos, pictures <laughs> with nutritionists that will tell me that, Look, you're always going to be a fat ass. That's just the way it is. <laughs> and so just just accept that. And but I'm always trying to constantly improve to make myself better so that I can I can be able to discuss those things with other people. You know, when when it, and if it comes up. I don't go to my geezer buddies and show them my iPhone of the pictures that I've taken, you know. So <laughs> but these are very personal in nature and I certainly am not afraid to share them. But uh but I do try to share them in a very discreet manner. Mm-hmm. And do you practice any form of like mindfulness meditation, or is that something that you just feel is, you know, that that your training or your exercise serves that purpose? Uh, I talk to myself a lot. You know, I notice, and, uh, I notice I have, that. Yeah, I do. I have <laughs> self-talk, and uh, uh, meditation for me is is something that I've tried. It's extremely hard. I have a hard time focusing on Mm -hmm. it. Uh, The one time that I had uh, the right meditative mind was, uh, I'll share, I was laying out on the the concrete of of my house and uh, just laying out, looking up at the sun and the sky. And there were these clouds that were kind of mesmerizing overhead. And about the time that I'm ready to just go into this deep state, uh, my Weimaraner came right over and laid down, you know, right beside me and sniggled his snout right into my armpit. (laughs) And 
hell, I fell asleep. Perfect. <laughs> so, That's my enough. Yeah, I mean, it was probably the first time that I went into a, a meditative state. And, uh, you know, since that time, I just kind of uh, try to get there. And I, I, I do practice breathing. I like the Wim Hof method of breathing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of relaxes me. But uh, I'm still wired pretty tight. And uh, uh, it's hard for me to get into that state. Yeah, but... When you you know yourself very well now. Do you think you always have known yourself? Is it a case that you're, you know, you know your self acceptance? You're wired pretty tight. That's how you are, and you you know you love yourself for for who you are and what you are. Is that that doesn't sound like a marine? So is that something that you've learned over the years to to grow to have self acceptance? Yeah, I think all the mistakes that I've made have pretty much put me into that that category of look everybody makes mistakes you know that's that's the wisdom of learning when you make a mistake you do something about it to try to make it better and then you learn from it and then move on and so believe me when i tell you at 73 i'm still learning i'm still making mistakes i'm still trying to make myself the best person the best version of coach speed that there is and uh, and be that guy that leads by example and what is your definition of the be best version of yourself and even from a health point of view what what are your markers for you know what i'm healthy or you know is it your mood is it your energy or if you could put it into one phrase or one one saying i i think just be acceptance you know acceptance of who you are what you are don't try to be something that you're not uh you know god put you on this earth to you know to be given uh, a journey to do and to share that journey with others i think is extremely important uh you know i have one great gift and that's the gift of coaching uh and i think it's important for me to duplicate that lifestyle as a coach to give that freely to others to to make those people as good as they can be as well okay and if you were to to pick three key pieces to, that makes a coach if for, there's going to be aspiring coaches listening to this that what are the fundamentals of as a coach that you think aside from you know learning the stance grip and positions and the actual fundamentals what are the personal traits that people need to be aware of in any form of coaching i think that the athlete in and, and you should have a bond, a trust together. I think the athletes should trust you. I think you should trust the athlete. I think that comes with time. I think it's important that that uh, that you build that relationship in, in time. Uh, I think importance also is, is the importance of loyalty, loyalty of the athlete to you, uh, and then the loyalty of the coach to the athlete. And then finally, I think the third and most important part is the passion. I think, you know, you have to have a passion. The athlete has to have a passion. The coach has to have a passion for achieving the goals that are needed to achieve. Okay. All right. And what do you have? So I'm not going to keep any longer because I've seen Leslie sticking her head in around the door. She probably has a long list of, of yard <laughs> chores for you to do. But it, what what's coming up for you next? Are you still working on some certs? I know you said you're working with a with a CrossFit Games athlete. Have you anything exciting coming up in that realm at all? Yeah, I for me right now, I think uh, 
I've been out of weightlifting for, you know, on a, on a national basis level with USA Weightlifting. Uh, I've been out on that for a while, and I want to come back to it a little bit, not on the coaching realm, but uh, I want to be more of an announcer at the meets. I want to mm -hmm. uh, be a referee at the meet, the technical controller. I'm a uh, uh, international Category 2 referee. I want to build that up to a, a Category 1 and uh, go to the meets and be with all my geezer buddies that uh, have gotten out of weightlifting and they're giving back to the community of weightlifting. I think that's what my next journey is what I want to do. Okay. And what about Bergener strength? Is it still going, it's going from strength to strength and you're traveling the world. Are you still coaching on certs or has that calmed down for you? No, I, I do. I, I go to CrossFit Mayhem, where Rich Foning is, and CrossFit Invictus, where uh, CJ, uh, uh, you know, God, I'm having a brain fart with him, but uh, yeah, he's, uh, CJ is there, and uh, uh, you know, I go there, and then up at the, right before the CrossFit Games, there's CrossFit Madtown, and uh, Skip and Keisha Benson are former athletes of mine. So I'll do courses there. So I'll do five or six courses a year. But basically, Bo Bergener and, uh, is running the, the program now. And, uh, you know, I, I basically work for over him. To him. You know? C.J. Martin. Yeah, he's, that was the name. C.J. Martin. I couldn't exactly. think of the second name. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so if you had three pieces of, adv of advice for a man about to get married, what would they be aside from the boss is always right? <laughs> Serious life yes, advice. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. That's yes, all I need dear. to know. <laughs> That's all. Listen, John, if you do that, then uh, and then just be who you are. I know who you are, and I know who she is. You guys are awesome. You guys are wonderful, wonderful people. You'll have a great life together, and, uh, uh, you know, and it, just – do that and you'll be fine but just remember john yes dear is extremely important all right that's it i think that's the most important message i've got from this whole podcast <laughs> all right listen coach b mike mr bergener thank you very much for your time thank you for having me john i appreciate it you stay tight for two seconds there i feel you know feel very strong and i'm preparing for my 74th birthday to do my pull-up challenge again. Oh, wow. Uh, Is it so 74? I'm doing that. No, I'm, I'll be 74 in June, but I'm doing uh, my last birthday at 70. Okay. I did 350 pull-ups. Oh, Shame. my gosh. You record that. <laughs> oh, it's recording still. <laughs> You're doing how many yeah, pull-ups so for your 74th birthday? My 70th birthday, I did 350 pull-ups in 60 minutes. Oh. And so I swore that my my guy, Van, Mike Vaniel, my mentor, uh, he's the one that puts me up to this. And he's at, at 85 the other day. He turned 85 and he did 80 push-ups nonstop. And so, you know, my goal then after seeing him do that, I thought, okay, I'm coming out of retirement. I'm going to do yeah. my pull-ups again. So on my 74th birthday in June, my goal is to do as many pull-ups as I can do in 60 minutes. And my number that I want to hit is somewhere around 250 or so. And uh, that's what I'm training for right now. So every other day I'm doing 100 pull-ups right now. And uh, every other day I do 25. So yesterday I did 100 pull-ups. Today I got to do 25. You know, Friday I'll do 100 or Wednesday I'll do 100 pull-ups. Thursday I'll do 25. And then... In January, I'll up the number. 
So I'll make it 125 pull-ups, <laughs> 25. So I feel like I need to do a few pull-ups. I feel like now. I need to do pull-ups now. You're, You're putting, putting us to shame. shame, to shame, Mike. 